get songs, come back with song proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Amos, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, and Nathan, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. So it's right at the back of uh, the Old Testament. So feel free to eat your biscuits, drink your drink, and I will read you just the first chapter. And if you want to, you can follow through. But if you don't, just keep your Bibles open, and then when we come to look at it, because all I want to do this evening is um, really do a, a, an introduction to the book so that we know what it's about, where we're going, and how we're going to navigate it. So, starting just to read at verse 1, so you can just sit back and listen. And don't worry, um, the slurps will be better than the snores that I sometimes get when I'm speaking. <laughs> If you know what I mean. Oh, there you go. The oracle of Habakkuk, the prophet, received. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Look at the nations who watch and be utterly amazed. And be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and a dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards fiercer than wolves. At dusk, their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like a vulture swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They deride kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at the fortified cities, they build earthen ramps and capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Come on in. We're a bit late, <laughs> so don't worry about it. Okay. We're looking at we're going to look at Habakkuk. So have your drink, have a biscuit. I'm just reading through the first chapter, okay. and then we're going to have a look at it together. So. Just up to verse 11. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own strength is their God. O oh Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O oh Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. 
of wrath you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made men like fish in the sea, creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore the sacrifice to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net and destroying nations without mercy? So that is the first chapter what is a very short book, but is sometimes seen as being a very difficult book. But we're going to look at it together. Uh, before we do, I'm just going to ask if um, will you just stop me in prayer, something? Yeah, no Father, we thank you so much for this book that you've given to us. Lord, we recognise that it is difficult to read. We recognise that it is hard to understand. We recognise that it, um, it says things which are scary and maybe even uncomfortable. And yet, Lord, we recognise that what it has to teach about you and your character, uh, about your holiness and your justice, about your wrath and your mercy, Lord, is important and we need to understand this as we are to understand you. So, Father, we pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word, and Lord, that we would enjoy studying this book together, and we would leave uh, thankful for who you are with a greater understanding of the gospel, greater appreciation for your love and your mercy and how you have achieved our salvation in your name Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, when we come to a passage like this, and if you look in your Bible, you will see that at certain points it will give headings, it will break it up. If you look at this, um, after verse 1 it says in my Bible here, Habakkuk's complaint. So they're little headings that are put in. And it's good to do that. But what I'm going to do is just give you um, the way I've broken it up and this is how we're going to go through it but you can do it differently this is how you see it and how you want to look at each different part so I've put down in you can take note of it or listen again when it's it's on, on the, the audio so verse 1 of chapter 1 the question is who is Habakkuk verse 2 through to 4 we're going to look at the question that is asked by Habakkuk. Chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, we're going to see that the Lord answers Habakkuk, and we'll see what he says. And then in verse 12 through to 17, we're going to see Habakkuk's complaint. So that will be the first chapter. That's how we'll approach it. Chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk listens and waits. And then verse 2, round. 20 which is the final part of chapter 2 we see the Lord's revelation and within that revelation we see five woes we're going to look at them and when we come to chapter 3 really 
verse 1 through to 19 is a prayer and a proclamation and really that's the way we're going to look at that final chapter now chapters and verses you know we look at Habakkuk chapter 1 and we read down and we have these headings well these things are there to help us navigate our way through scripture otherwise we'd be lost you know if I just said um, we're going to look at um, the book of Ecclesiastes you'd all be Ooh, where is he? <laughs> and we're going to start at this point here well where's that point you're going to start well it's easy to say we're going to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 we're going to read from verse 7 and we can all find it so they're put there to navigate or to help us navigate our way through the Bible but when we come to a passage it's good advice to and in particular with a passage like this where it's quite short a longer passage you maybe can't do this as well but what you can do you can sort of open your Bible start to read at the first verse and just read it through to the end like you would read a letter because that's how it was written so if you do that you'll familiar, familiarize yourself with Ruth you don't have to try to understand it at that point you don't have to struggle with it you just familiarize yourself and when you do that certain things will jump out and you think oh that was good but at that point don't really stop to investigate it because we're going to look at it together what you do is you're preparing to look at this and read what is really there and hear what's really being said so you can take this and when you go home just sit down cup of tea cup of coffee read through from chapter one to the end and just you know read it through like you you, you read in a group and maybe not worry too much maybe you read it again and read it as many times as you want to sometimes the more the better but for us this evening as i say this is an introduction to the group so when we come to any bible passage it's good to look at the context look at how it's been written why it's been written and look at the background that led this book to be written now we can go back right through to genesis but we're not going to do that because it's all part of the background i'm just going to go to 1 kings chapter 11 and at that point solomon has died who is the king and his son rehoboam became the king but then 10 of the 12 tribes were led by jeroboam jeroboam rebelled and those 10 tribes became known as the northern kingdom of israel those two names rehoboam was the king solomon's son jeroboam was the rebel who took 10 of the tribes away they weren't happy what rehoboam was doing and then we have as i said what we know as the northern kingdom of israel that left the tribe of judah and benjamin they had jerusalem and they became known as those two tribes the tribe of judah the tribe of benjamin as the southern kingdom of judah so the northern kingdom of israel ten tribes the southern kingdom of judah two tribes over a period of around about 20 uh, 200 years um, 
after the succession of evil kings, every one of them is evil, and faithful prophets, the northern kingdom of Israel, who had continually ignored God's warnings and gone their own way, were taken into exile by the Assyrians. That was around about 722 BC. You don't need to know that. Just get the sort of order of things that are happening. Now, after that, northern kingdom of Israel, those ten tribes, were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. About 120 years later, after ignoring God's warning, after knowing what had happened to the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah was taken into exile by the Babylonians. Get that? Right. You know all this, but maybe not in the right order for Hebrews 3. So it's good that we do it this way. Now, after the exile of the northern kingdom, and in the last days before the exile of the southern kingdom, this is where we have the prophecy from Habakkuk. So what's happened is, Northern Kingdom, ten tribes, Baal, exile, boom, gone, right. Then you've got Judah, tribe of Judah, tribe of Benjamin, that is the Southern Kingdom. They've carried on. They had some good kings, whereas the other tribe in Israel had all bad kings. But they too were going in a similar direction. And the point is coming to the fact where God is going to deal with it. Now all the way through those years between the, the, the two tribes, God has been warning them. But it's come to the point now. And that's what we're going to see when we come to the book of Habakkuk. What we need to know is the Bible has always been and always will be a part of secular history. We're not removed from it. Even today, there's all things going on around us outside of what we call Christendom, if you want to use that phrase just for the time. Okay? But it's all part of the world in which we live. And it was the same in these days. So we mustn't ignore what's going on and think, oh, it's got nothing to do with us doesn't mean we have to get fully involved in it, but it means we have to be aware of it. We have to see where it's going. We have to know where it's going, and then we have to react to how we, yes, as individuals, and also as a church, uh, and as Christians, will live in that situation, and how it will affect us. So, what was happening in the world, okay, which is outside of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin, outside of the, the southern kingdom of Judah. What was happening outside that led Habakkuk to complain? Now, I didn't catch that. Could you try again? <laughs> no, thank you. Cancel. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Great these watches, aren't they? <laughs> okay. What was happening in the world? We know what's happening in the world today, don't we? And as we go through this book, you don't see parallels. 
and you're going to be able to relate to things and maybe you will relate to things that are happening today across the world the way that Habakkuk first related I'm sure you will but you'll see what happened okay what was happening well one of the many cities the Assyrians controlled was the city of Babylon because Babylon was just a city one of the they had this great empire and Babylon was just one of the cities that they had power over and in the in Babylon there was a tribe known as the Chaldeans so they were Babylonians but they were part of Babylon and they were the Chaldeans and the Chaldeans they weren't happy with what was happening and they rose up and they took control of the Assyrian capital of Nineveh and they destroyed it incidentally that destruction was prophesied by Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 1 God prophesied that that would happen these Chaldeans they did that we're fed up with all these Assyrians we're going to fight back so they went and took the capital city Nineveh and they destroyed it and the Chaldeans uh, uh, now were beginning to rise and they were becoming the power of the day we see that don't we you know when we think about it nations may rise and nations may fall you know well this was going to be the the, the, the fall of, of, of the 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 the, uh, the Assyrians it and what was going to take their place was the Babylonians so the word Babylonians and Chaldeans are interchangeable and you will see that throughout the Bible uh, it might say um, in the days of the Chaldeans or in the days of the Babylonians they are the same people so there's no contrast there they are the same the Chaldeans now beginning to rise in power and they went on from Nineveh they then captured Egypt which was also part of Assyria then and then they captured the surrounding nations and they established what is known as the Babylonian Empire okay so when you're reading through your Bible and you see those two names and you think oh why does one Bible say the Chaldeans and they say the Babylonians they're the same interchangeable and they're interchangeable throughout scripture so what was happening in Judah that led Habakkuk to write this prophecy so we looked at what was happening in the world around and Habakkuk didn't understand it he was confused about it he was worried about it and now we're going to look at what was happening in in, in Judah now the the, the historical uh, content of Habakkuk's message confirms to us that in his day there was great political unrest and he wants to know why God doesn't intervene and the first thing he wants to know is why doesn't God intervene with all these uh, heathen warmongering nations surrounding them You're starting to get parallels to today already but what Habakkuk needs to understand is that the real problem the real problem that's got to be dealt with is the immoral state of God's chosen people who are refusing to turn aside from their sin and what we need to remember when we look at this is that they are living under the Mosaic law the law that was given to them by God 
and that through them the blessing, the real blessing would come to all nations. You've got to keep this in mind. These are Old Testament people living in the, under the law and they need to keep that promise so the promise of the Messiah won't be broken and lost. That was their responsibility in their day. Do you get that? That's where a little bit different than us in our day. So if you remember that and keep that in mind, it helps us understand better what we're looking at in the Old Testament. Now Judah, in their time, they had a line of 20 kings. But out of them, only a few were said to be righteous. It's four or five of them. Asa, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah, they were good kings. Some of the others were partly good and partly bad, and others were just plain evil. That's the nation of Judah. So there's a little parallels here with how Israel went, you know, the, the southern king, the northern kingdom. Those other kings, when you read through these passages, you read this all the time. That they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And now the nation of Judah is in a spiritual state of decline, putting the promise of the Messiah in urgent need of drastic action. Get the picture now of where this group is going to go. And this will help us understand what happened and why it happened. Now, I just want to spend um, a few minutes because here in Habakkuk we have um, other parts uh, what's happening we see happening in other parts of the Bible right? and this is known as um, the doctrine of concurrence right? okay I'll throw that out to you the doctrine of concurrence now, you don't have to go into any depth with that, but you just need to understand what it means. And an example of this is in Genesis chapter 15, verse 19 through to 20. That is how God dealt with Joseph and how God allowed Joseph to go through all those things. You know what happened to him, sold by his brothers, you know that he was thrown into prison. You know that it was years before anybody mentioned it. He thought he would have got out of prison earlier. He was wrongly accused. And all these things happened to him. You're thinking, why? And how do you think Joseph felt when they were happening? Well, this is what's happening there. It is this doctrine of concurrence. That these things needed to happen. And they were in God's will, okay? I'm just going to read you three verses from Genesis 50, 19. And this might help us understand this. This is when Joseph meets <coughs> his brothers. And if you put yourself in Joseph's position and think about what you or I might have said to them when we met them. You know? But this is what Joseph said. Because he understands this doctrine of concurrence. He didn't know that's what it was called. But that's the name that the theologians put to it. Okay? These three verses, 19, 20, and 21. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. 
Am I in the place of God? In other words, he recognised what happened to him was because God saw that it needed to happen to him. Okay? You intended to harm me. Okay, they did. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Okay. That's the reason. That's why those things were happening. Verse 20. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured, reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Now just as we finish this part here, I want you to think about that just for a moment. Things that occur to us may not be part of God's plan to bring us into the position where we want to be. Okay? Let me say that again. Things that occur to us may not be part of God's plan to bring us into a position where we want to be. Now when this happens, it can be difficult. And it's difficult for us to understand, difficult for us to accept. But they are ordained by God. Why? Well, we just read it from Joseph. So that some good would be done. We don't know what that good is. We might never find out what that good is. This teaches us that God uses even evil acts of men in order to accomplish his good purpose. And we see that right through the Old Testament, don't we? Where God uses the evil acts of men to accomplish his purpose. And this is the theological term known as doctrine of concordance. And this is the lesson that Habakkuk not only learned, but accepted. And not only did he learn it and accept it, but he went on to praise God. Okay. Now keep these in mind. And I'm going to finish with what is the ultimate example of this. Now, have a think. Don't tell me. But think of who you can think of who is the ultimate example of this well it's Jesus Acts 2 22 to 44 let me read this and we'll finish this part with this this is Paul speaking fellow Israelites listen to this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But, and this is the good that came after that, evil act, yeah? But God raised him from the dead, 
freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. So keep that in mind when we go through this week of Habakkuk. And when we go through, I'll tell you what we're going to be looking for. We're going to be looking out in this very short week to see the authority of God, to see the righteousness of God, to see the importance of justification. And we will see that the righteous live by faith. Now that's the introduction to the week. And I think it's important that we we sort of get hold of these things and understand them. Now, it will be on here, so you can listen through that when it's on WhatsApp. And you can stop it at certain points in it and make notes. I mean, sometimes it's good to make notes even while you're doing this. But you'll be able to do that um, when you sit down and listen. And get these things in your mind as you can. Read through the book in the light of what we just said, but you don't have to stop and pay too much. Oh, just go, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I can't do it, but I think I'm going to see that. See what I mean? As you go through the book. So that's good.